This past December, a dear church member gave me a special 500-piece puzzle to put together in my spare time. Now, I have to tell you, it's been a long time since I have worked a puzzle before. It's probably since my childhood was the last time I put a puzzle together. But this particular puzzle was like no other puzzle that I've ever done before because this puzzle was a wooden puzzle and it was laser cut. Every piece was different from one another. So I began and I opened the puzzle box up and looked at all the pieces and I began to say, I don't even know where to begin, but I think I'm going to separate them by color. And so I began to separate them by color, kind of looking at the box, and I laid them all out and I noticed that there were never two pieces that were the same. They were all completely different and unique. And when I say unique, I mean they were really unique because there were pieces that were cut out like a porcupine or like a person or like a jeep. I mean, these were weird pieces, things that shapes that you would recognize, but not your typical puzzle pieces. So, I started the puzzle, and I don't know about you, but when I do puzzles, I always like to start with the edges first, right, and build in. That makes it easy to know what the boundaries are. So I thought that that's what I would do, and I tried to do that, but this puzzle was even more complex and different because the puzzle edges don't all just fit together like a typical puzzle. Some of them require an extra piece that you wouldn't know has to be right there for them to come together. So it took me a really long time to figure this out, and even though I began to work on it and work on it, and you know, each day I'd come in for a little bit, you know, I'd get home and I'd say, okay, I'm going to sit down and just mess with the puzzle a little bit, and I would do it a little at a time, and I never got the outer edge completed first. Actually, I didn't finish the outer edge of the puzzle until I almost completed the entire puzzle itself. That's how complex it was. I bet you I spent about 30 hours or more working on this 500-piece puzzle until it was finally completed. And each piece, while they were very different, each of them was important to complete the bigger picture that the puzzle conveyed. You couldn't force a piece where it was not supposed to go because every piece had a specific spot in which it was supposed to fit with other pieces to make it work. It was very complex, but I have to tell you, there you go, it was worth the time and effort once it was finally completed. As we continue our sermon series today on what it means to be in Christ, we get a similar metaphor by Paul about what it means to be the church. Both his letter to the church in Rome and to his church in Corinth, Paul speaks of the church not as a puzzle, but as a body. He speaks of us as the body of Christ. In Romans, he tells us, "...for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Last week when we gathered together, we talked about that we were all children of the same God, and that's what it means to be in Christ. And 
through our faith together and that Christ desires for all of us to be one as God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one together. As we gather today, Paul reminds us that to be in Christ means that we belong to each other. Now that may seem obvious to you. Well, duh, Pastor Jeff, of course that's what it means to be in Christ, is to belong to one another. But I have to tell you that over all my years of ministry in the different churches that I've served, I've encountered Christians who believe differently than that. There are many who say that you do not have to be a Christian, be a member of a church. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ apart from the church. And many of them will say this because, well, they don't really want to deal with the messiness of being with people. And some of them think that the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites and a dysfunctional family anyway. So why bother being a part of that when they can follow Jesus on their own? Well, it's true that our faith is what identifies us as believers in Jesus Christ. But I have to tell you, we are also identified by our shared witness of Christ together. You know, it's Jesus who kind of started this whole thing. He called 12 people to follow him. We call them the disciples. And they followed him everywhere he went for three years of his ministry on earth. And as I read the gospel stories, I I never really see any accounts that says that Jesus took Peter by himself and did a mission trip over here while the other 11 just hung tight. He didn't do one-on-one experiences. On occasion, he might have taken Peter, James, and John aside and said, hey, you'll experience a transfiguration, or hey, I want you to experience me raising this girl from the dead. But generally speaking, Jesus was always with the 12, and they were always with him in everything that he did. After Jesus was crucified and when he was resurrected and he came and he met with the disciples again, before he ascended into heaven, he gave them what we know as the Great Commission and he told them to go out into all the world, to the nations, and to make disciples. To make disciples. Discipleship involves relationships. It it requires shared relationships For disciples are a community of believers who grow in faith together through worship and through study and through service, bearing witness to Christ together as a group. Discipleship is not just an individual thing. In fact, the 3rd century Bishop of Carthage, Cyprian, is quoted as saying this. He says, He cannot have God as his father who has not the church for his mother. Let me read that to you again. He cannot have God as his father who has not the church for his mother. Cyprian is saying that the church is the visible witness of God tasked with sharing Jesus Christ together. So to assume that one can be a Christian apart from the church is a false understanding of what it means to be in Christ. In fact, Paul uses the human body as a metaphor to describe our connection to one another. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So he uses this image of the body as an example of what it means to belong to one another. I don't know if you've ever taken time to think about it, but the human body is one of the most complex and beautifully designed things that God has ever created. Did you know that the human body has over 30 trillion cells 
that each perform about 10,000 different chemical functions. Each cell in your body has 1 trillion bits of data equal to every letter in 10 million books. Your heart, your heart beats about 100,000 times daily to move blood through your body, about 168 million miles a day. Your skin, your skin has 4 million structures that are sensitive to pain, a half a million that are sensitive to touch, and 200,000 that are sensitive to temperature. Think about that. Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And every part of our body is connected to one another. If you break your smallest toe, it's going to make it painful for you to walk, and it's going to be very difficult, and it's not going to be enjoyable. You're going to feel it, even though it's at the bottom of your body. If your vision is blurred, it's going to make it hard for you to see, and you're going to bump into things, and you're not going to be able to function in the way that you're supposed to. Every part of our body that God has created is interconnected to one another. And our body parts matter and they're reliant on each other for the whole body to function as it's designed to be. If one part of our body quits on us, I assure you that the rest of your body will feel it. This is what Paul is communicating to the churches in Rome and in Corinth. He says, in Christ we belong to one another, which means that as a member of a church, no member is more important than another. Nor is any member of a church dispensable. In in fact, he says that by God's grace, his undeserved favor for us, that we have been given spiritual gifts to be used for the good of the whole body together. In other words, Paul says, every person in the body of Christ matters. And you and I are called to contribute to God's work together as the church. No one can bow out and say they don't need each other or that they have nothing to give. I find that Paul's concern is really twofold. One, he thinks that some people think that they're a little bit more important than others in the church. And they have a tendency to undercut other members of the church who have something to contribute. On the other side of that, he's concerned that there are some who don't participate in anything at all, thinking that they have nothing to contribute or because they'd rather just keep to themselves. I have to tell you, Paul's a pretty smart guy. I've been in four congregations in 22 years, and I've seen exactly what he's talking about. It exists in the body of Christ. Doesn't he begin by saying, hey, don't get a big head. Stay humble with the faith that God has given you. Now, I'm paraphrasing that for Paul, but sometimes people use their gifts to serve the church, and they do so much in the church that they can control how everything is done. And when they do that, they have a tendency to limit others' participation, especially if it's not done their particular way. If we begin a ministry in the church, sometimes it's kind of easy to view it like a baby that we've birthed. And so we say, this is mine. This belongs to me. And we can be like toddlers to some degree because... If we helped birth it, we don't want someone else to take it and play with it. And so we fight over it sometimes in church, refusing to share that ministry. Paul says, look, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
The truth is, in reality, there is nothing in the church that's mine. There's nothing in the church that's, quote, ours. For everything in the church belongs to God. And God gives it to us and entrusts us as good stewards to take care of that which he has given to us to do. In fact, together we have a shared calling in ministry. We're called to be on the same team and to work for God and for the good of the church together. But Paul goes on to speak about different spiritual gifts that God has given to those in the body of Christ and that they're there to be used. And so he says this, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is this, Paul says, then use it. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, encourage. If it's serving, serve. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. But he says, if you have the gift, do something with it. And much like the different parts of the human body, God has created all of us uniquely. And we're a diverse group of people because the Spirit of God has endowed us with different gifts that are to be used to glorify God. And we may have many different gifts, but the reality is we have the same calling to work together in ways to use them faithfully. And so we can't make excuses and say, well, I'm not good enough or I don't have any gift to share with the church. That would be untrue. God's grace, according to Paul, has been poured out on each of us and therefore God has given us gifts to use for the benefit of the church. I find that so often we just need to discover them so that we can use them together. So often it's easy, I think, in the church to sit there in the pews and to kind of look up here. And most often you're looking at the people who are front and center of everything. So you look at the pastor and you say, think to yourself, I can't preach like that or I can't teach like that. I have nothing to contribute. Or you look at the band and the choir and you say, well, I can't sing like that. I, I can't contribute. But think about it for a moment. You know, you wouldn't be able to hear me preach or teach. You wouldn't be able to listen to the beautiful music that is sung if it weren't for the sound guy in the back. I say that the sound guy has more power than anybody in the church. and He can mute me at any time he wants. You wouldn't be able to hear if it weren't for the sound person, you wouldn't be able to follow along with the liturgy if you, you know, if we're sort of trained now to look at screens, but if you were looking at the screens and somebody wasn't operating our audio-visual stuff, you wouldn't be able to participate in that. If you're at home and watching us online, you couldn't watch a live stream if it wasn't for a camera operator and for tech people who are making those things happen. But you don't see them front and center. They're in the back. They're in hidden rooms that you don't see in the church. And they're making those things happen because they have those gifts to share them. You don't all have to be preachers and teachers and singers in the church. There are some people who use their gifts of finance to give wisdom to help our operating budget so that we can do God's work together. There are some people in the church who use their gifts of administration to help with the function and vision of our staffing here. There are some who use their gifts to care for those who struggle by sending notes and making phone calls to check on them. There are others in the church who use their gifts of teaching to teach our children or our youth or our adult Sunday school classes 
or small groups. Or there are others in the church who use their gifts to make meals to those who could use an extra hand while they're going through a difficult situation. And today in worship, we're going to ordain and install deacons and elders who will use their gifts uh, that God has given them to serve the church too. But here's the thing. You don't have to be an officer of the church in order to be used by God to serve the church. Something you probably don't know is that several of our youth, some of our high school students, they're training to help run our audiovisual stuff in worship. So that one person doesn't have to do it all the time. Age does not play a factor in our giftedness to serve God and to serve one another. As I think about the body of Christ, I think of all these metaphors that can exist for us to help us really understand it. But one that really kind of comes to me is the, the thought of a, well, a symphony orchestra. Think about that for a minute. A symphony orchestra is composed of strings and brass, and woodwinds, and percussion. And they're all instrumentalists who play in these different things. But when you begin to look at all of these categories that make up a symphony orchestra, like the woodwinds, for example, you'll find a diversity of instruments that are played just within that one group. You have the flute, and the oboe, and the clarinet, and the bassoon, and they all work together making different sounds. It's true if you look at the strings. You have the harp, and the violin, and the, the viola and the cello and the double bass, they all work together to make different sounds. And it's true for percussion and for all the others. But the thing is that's so cool about a symphony orchestra is each one of those instrumentalists are playing their particular instrument and they're doing it in harmony with everyone else. And when they do that, it makes an amazing, beautiful sound. And so it is with the body of Christ. Paul says that we belong to each other. So if one part in the church suffers, the whole part suffers with it. If one part rejoices, every part rejoices with it. And the reason for that is because in the church we do life together. We live together as a family of faith because God does life with us. And when we grieve the loss of a loved one in our families, the church grieves with us. And people reach out and call and check on us. They send us cards in the mail to let us know that they're praying for us and they're thinking of us. They bake a casserole because that's what Southerners do. And they bring it because they care. When people in the, cho- in the church rejoice, when someone enters into a new venture, the church rejoices with them. When uh, a new couple has their first child, the church rejoices with them because together we celebrate all the victories in life together because we cheer each other on. That's what the church does. So can someone believe in Jesus as Lord and stay disconnected from the church? Absolutely they can. But our lives are not filled with the joy of belonging to each other as God intends for us. It's like being on a deserted island by ourselves. or It's kind of like being a a piece of a 500-piece puzzle that got lost and never completes the grand picture of what God has designed. Paul says, you are the body of Christ and each of you 
is a part of it. You see, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say in his book, Life Together, he says, we have the privilege of being the church of Jesus Christ together. We have the privilege of serving Christ and one another as we do life together, united by our faith in Christ. We have the privilege of using our gifts as one body to show the world the beauty of God's great design, being a people who care for one another and who work together despite our differences. You see, I find that each one of us is a distinct piece of God's grand puzzle. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And Paul tells us that God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. As we serve Jesus as a diverse group of people, united in his name, we play our part in his larger picture that is being constructed one person at a time every single day. Indeed, all Christians are interconnected and interdependent on one another so that the body of Christ may live and function as God has designed. And understanding this, I think, should make us think about how we often choose to respond to it. For those who are heavily involved, we've got to be careful not to undercut others when we use our own gifts to serve. We need to be intentional about inviting others to do that with us, to serve alongside of us, giving them room to play their part without worry or fear that they won't do it our way or to our liking. In fact, we might be surprised that they might actually do something even better than the way we're doing it because they have something to offer and to share. And likewise, those who tend not to be involved shouldn't make excuses choosing not to participate because God has given his grace to all of us and he has endowed us with his special gifts to build up the body of Christ, bearing witness to his love and to his mercy and to his grace as his church. We actually are good enough to contribute in our own ways because God has entrusted us with his gifts to serve the church. You see, I think that Paul sums it up really well as he speaks to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 4.16, Paul says to them, From him, from God, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends in Christ, we belong to each other. In Christ, we do life together, growing in faith as we worship, as we study, as we serve, as we fellowship together. If you look in the church bulletin, you find the mission statement of this church, and when it was crafted, we wanted to craft a statement that said, what does it mean to be the church together? And so we said, well, we're a family. We're a family of faith. We're united in faith together. We're a family of faith and we're called by God to grow in the love of Christ. To worship and to study together and to grow inwardly. So that we might seek God together. But we're called to share that good news that we have received. Not to just sit on it because it's good for us, but to share it with everyone. That all might know what Christ has done for us. And to serve the world serve those in the church, to serve those beyond the church, the world might see Jesus Christ in us together. You see, 
in doing those things, we don't do them by ourselves. We do them together as the body of Christ, God's visible witness. My prayer for us is as we do that, we would do it with humility. That all of us would vow to do our part. That we would be that supporting ligament in the body of Christ. That each of us would do the work that's been entrusted to our care so that together we might represent Jesus as God intends. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.